It's good to be with you again uh, this evening. Uh, you may turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses, well, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And this evening I want to talk to you uh, about family worship. Uh, it's one of the topics I'm um, passionate about. And uh, if you are active in, in having family worship in your homes, I hope to encourage you to continue. Uh, if it's not a practice that uh, you've made a habit of, I want to encourage you to begin uh, this, this practice Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we come to you this evening. Uh, Lord, we ask for your grace, Lord, to be upon us tonight. Uh, We pray that uh, you would instruct us from your word, that you would encourage us uh, to look to those responsibilities that you have given us as fathers and mothers and as, as Christians to make our home a place where your name is worshipped, where your truth is taught, and where you uh, are glorified. We ask your help in these things, Lord God, who is equal to these tasks, Lord. And so we need your help. We need your grace uh, to attend us, Lord, to strengthen us, give us wisdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage, uh, Paul presents the Uh, spiritual duties of a family, right? Children are instructed to submit to and obey the godly leadership of their parents using the words of the fifth commandment. Paul urges them to obey their parents. Uh, And then the parents are instructed to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, of course, that commandment is a very broad commandment that encompasses everything that is involved in child rearing, and I'm not going to presume to try to exhaust all that that commandment means, and I don't mean at all to communicate that simply leading your children in family worship is all that Paul is saying uh, in this commandment, but I do believe it is an important element of obeying this commandment uh, as a parent Uh, Nor do I mean that family worship can only happen if you're uh, married and have children, right? Family worship may happen as a single person. It's actually much easier that way. Uh, But as your responsibility may grow, as God blesses you um, to be married or to have children, if he does bless you with those things, your responsibility to teach and instruct and lead your home in worship obviously grows with that. Um, 
So an essential way that we obey this commandment is to have a regular time of family instruction and worship of God in our homes. Um, I think one thing that this passage makes clear is that the parent is to be the primary instructor and leader in spiritual instruction and practice of their children. Right? This is not a responsibility that we can um, hire out to anyone else. Right? Not even the, the, the corporate church. Right? We don't simply fulfill this duty by bringing our children to church uh, or putting them in Sunday school. We as the parents are to be the primary instructors, the primary leaders of our children's worship of God and their education in the things of God. And so I believe that one of the best ways to fulfill that responsibility is to have a regular time of family worship in our homes. So what, what do I mean by family worship? Uh, family worship is a time set aside for a family to read the Bible, pray, and worship God together. Right? That's, I think, the, the simplest definition. Right? You set aside a time to read the scriptures with your children, to pray with them, and to lead them in worshiping God. Uh, The worship of God in families and households is something expected and commanded throughout Scripture. I want to look at several Scriptures that show us that. And the first is in Genesis chapter 18. If you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19. Uh, And so the context of this chapter is uh, that the Lord is talking to Abraham about um, the judgment that he's about to pour out on Sodom and Gomorrah. So Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. So we see that part of Abraham's responsibility as uh, God's elect to bring about um, his plan of redemption, part of that responsibility was to command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, right? To instruct them in the worship of the true God, how, how they are to worship him, how they are to, uh, who God is. Right? What he requires of us. And I think it's very significant that this statement comes in this chapter with what is happening. Right? You have a, uh, several cities that are known for their wickedness. A wicked culture that's about to experience the judgment of God. A severe display of judgment. And God turns to remind Abraham 
what his responsibilities are as one called by God and as the head of a household. Right? So we might step back and say, okay, well, how, you know, how can we as Christians, we have, we have a, a culture around us that is not very dissimilar to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? sliding into wickedness. What do we do about that? How do we fight that? How do we fight an ungodly culture? Well, God reminds Abraham, instruct your family. Teach them. Right? Teach them the ways of God. Lead them in the worship of God. Can it be that something that simple can be a powerful tool to change and preserve a culture? Yes. Yes, I, I believe so. Abraham is to do the simplest thing of teaching, leading his own household in the truth of God. He was obviously expected to do this by the Lord. And then uh, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And of course, the the book of Deuteronomy is Moses reminding, repeating the covenant of God to the Israelites right before he departs. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So having given them, repeated the law, right, repeated the the Ten Commandments, he now commands them, number one, in verse six, these commandments shall be on your heart, right? Lay these commandments to your own heart, but then... Next step, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And in verse 7, with this repetition, right, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, we get the understanding that I think the key ideas in that verse is that we are to teach diligently and frequently, right? We are to teach our children diligently and frequently the things of God. Family worship should be a priority in our family. All right, think about how we as parents expend money and time on the education or the physical development of our children, right? I mean, we put them in, we'll we'll spend lots of money to put them in a good school. Uh, We'll spend money on sports, on um, 
music lessons, and all of those things are good and wonderful. But think about, we often neglect the most important part of our children, and that is their soul, right? Their eternal soul. And now, again, I'm, I'm not saying anything negative or wrong with you know, putting them in sports or putting them in, in piano practice, but how do we spend effort, energy, time, and money into the, the welfare of our children's soul? That should be the number one priority uh, of raising our children. And again, we can do it very simply by leading them teach, in teaching, instruction, and the worship of God in our homes diligently and frequently. Let's look at one more uh, scripture in Joshua. It's a very well-known passage in, in Joshua. Probably have... Maybe the scripture on a, a picture or on a coffee cup. Uh, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord... Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So again, notice Joshua's commitment here. He doesn't just say, I am going to serve the Lord personally. right? He extends it to his household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so this famous scripture teaches us the important role, especially of fathers, in leading their homes in the worship of God. Right? Joshua understood his responsibility to lead his house, his commitment to lead them in knowing God and worshiping God. So who is responsible for family worship? Well, the husband and father is primarily responsible for this. But if the husband and father is absent or unwilling to lead in this responsibility, then the mother must take the lead. So in this sermon, I want especially this to be a call for men to realize the responsibility that God has laid on you, that this is not an option. Right? A, a responsibility, a duty is not an option. Right? Um, I tell this story a lot, but when my daughter was born, uh, you know, and I, as a new dad, you know, first holding uh, my daughter, it was like a physical sense of responsibility. I mean, it, it felt like it descended on my shoulders, right? This realization that I am responsible for the life of this human being and not just the life of their this human being but for their the care of their soul as well 
Right? And, and that is true, whether you felt that or not, when your children were born, it is a reality. Right? When God commands something, when he says, fathers, bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, it is not an option. It is a commandment. Something we must do. We are commanded to lead in teaching our children the things of God, to lead them in the worship of God. Um, The important benefits of family worship. Number one, it is honoring to God. That should be the only reason we need. It's obedience to his command. It's honoring to him. But it also helps us grow closer to God, both individually and as a family. Right? It, it is uh, amazing. Uh, I'll talk about this later, but you know, not every time, uh, most times, when you sit down to have family worship, do angels sing and um, trumpets sound. It's mostly a fight and a battle, but there are those moments, those rare moments, um, when you can see your, your children learning. You can see um, them growing in their understanding of the Lord. You can see when the lights go on about a certain subject. And it is rewarding. It's rewarding to see that. Um, number two, family worship helps you to fulfill your God-given responsibility to teach your children the truth of God especially the gospel, especially the gospel, teaching them these basic and fundamental things of their relationship with God, that we are sinners, that what God has done for us in Christ, and to see those things coming, uh, making sense in their mind and coming alive in their hearts. And number three, it is, can be something that God uses to bring your children to salvation. Do you you care about the salvation of your children? Then teach them and lead them. And it may be that God uses these things for the salvation of your children. Um, Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We, we see this in the life of Timothy. Paul points this out. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Paul saying this to Timothy. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. So faith in Christ was something that began with the grandmother and passed to Timothy's mother and was passed on to Timothy. Now did this just happen by chance? Well, no, because we also see also in 2 Timothy go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Again, uh, Paul talking to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned 
and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we learn here that Timothy was taught the scriptures from childhood. Okay, well, by whom? Well, his mother and his grandmother. Right? He was taught, even though his father, we know, was an unbeliever. So here, again, here's a good example. If the, even if the father is not a believer, not leading in this, here's the mother faithfully leading her son Timothy, teaching him the scriptures, and what is the result? comes to faith in Christ and even becomes a minister of the gospel. It also reminds me of the story of Augustine uh, and his, his mother. I'm, I'm blanking out on her name suddenly. I can't remember. But his mother uh, prayed for him, right? The, the story of Augustine is he's you know, running from the Lord. He's, he's ensnared in all of this immorality, involved in a cult, all sorts of stuff. And all, Monica, her name's Monica, there we go. Uh, all along, we have Monica, the faithful mother, praying and praying and praying. And she goes, I remember she went to the, uh, her pastor at the time and is, you know, oh, pray for my son. She's just weeping over her son. And the pastor says, settle down. It is not possible that the son of these tears will be lost. All right, what an amazing testimony and he was he was saved brought to faith and so we see the the influence of parents upon their children teaching them praying for them right so it may be that God uses this time of family worship in our homes to bring our children to faith to repentance and to salvation So what are the basic elements of family worship? Well, it's very simple. It's not complicated. Basic elements of family worship are word, prayer, and worship. Or to say it another way, read, pray, sing. Read, pray, sing. So first, read the Bible together. If you are new to reading the Bible as a family, Start with something easy, like reading through the Gospel of Mark. Now again, what you do as a family in worship is obviously going to depend on how many children you have, what the age range of your children are. Um, But if you're new to this, start, again, start easy. Start small. There's no set rule that says you have to read a whole chapter. You can read a section, whatever your family can handle in the beginning. Um, also you may want to uh, if you have very small children you may want to find a good children's story bible and read through that and then talk about what you read explain what's going on in the chapter let your children ask questions it's amazing God has given children inquisitive minds sometimes they will pick up on Uh, the questions you're supposed to ask about that chapter. Something funny will go on in that chapter and they'll say, wait a minute, why did did that happen? 
what's going on here? Right? Let them ask questions or ask them questions about the chapter. Uh, a great resource uh, as far as helping you through Bible reading is um, the Family Worship Bible Guide that um, Reformation Heritage publishes. We, we use that a lot. It's very helpful. It gives you an easy summary of what went on in the chapter, some applications, some discussion questions. It's a very helpful resource. Um, yeah, if your children ask you questions about the passage and you don't have a good answer to, to tell them, tell them, well, I'll study that further. I'll look into that more and then come back to them with a little more insight into the whatever question they ask. Read the Bible together. Uh, secondly, pray together. Right? Teach your children how to pray by your example, teaching them the Lord's Prayer. Right? I love there's a little book that Martin Luther wrote, uh, How to Pray. He wrote it for his barber who asked him for help in how to pray. And basically he says, well, the Lord's Prayer is kind of like, you don't just repeat it by rote, right? We're just not just repeating words endlessly like, a, you know, Hail Mary or something. But that the Lord's Prayer is like an outline, right? It's, it's giving us thoughts and topics to pray about. Think of it as, a, you know, a jumping off point. Each sentence is a jumping off point to pray, uh, to get your mind and heart moving in the direction that, that Christ teaches his disciples to pray. Uh, teach them that we can take our worries and our cares and our fears to God. Uh, right? So through prayer, we're teaching our children that we're not sovereign. That we, mommy and daddy don't have all the answers for everything. Right? They need to know that. But mommy and daddy, we trust in God. We take our problems to God. When we need wisdom, we go to God and ask him. When we need direction, we go to God and ask him. You're showing them by your example what prayer is. And we just, uh, in the catechism we're going through, we just started the section on prayer. Right? And went to uh, 1 Samuel where we have an example of Hannah. It says she was pouring out her heart to God. Right? That's prayer. Pouring out our hearts to God. Teach them that we should pray for the spread of the gospel, right? Pray for pastors, pray for missionaries, pray for countries that need the spread of the gospel. Uh, that teaches them about those things. It teaches them about missions. It teaches them about those who minister the gospel that need our, our prayers. And then thirdly, worship God together, right? And in that worship, aim for a sense of awe and wonder for who God is and what he has done. Sing about the goodness of God. Sing about the deeds of God, the character of God. Sing the Bible. Sing the gospel. Teach your children to be amazed by who God is and what he has done for us. This is going back to the reading part, but talking about being amazed by God. Again, one of those rare moments when family worship doesn't end in a disaster. 
Uh, I was reading through the book of Esther with the, my older two. The younger two don't have the attention span to sit through the reading of a whole book. But Esther's not too long. We read through the book of Esther. And again, the book of Esther is an amazing story that's full of irony, right? Things that Haman prepared for the destruction are turned upside down. It's like as we're reading this story, we're amazed. We're, we're laughing at what is happening. And it, it was a great picture of the sovereignty of God, of how God works through every circumstance for the good of his people and takes even the plans of their enemies and turns it right back on their own heads. Uh, and again, there's, there's rare times of that. And, and you want your children to see the greatness of God, the sovereignty of God. And that, that same God in the book of Esther is the God who rules over our life. The God that we trust in. The God that we worship. Now, I have to admit that the singing part of family worship is probably the one that we lack in the most. Right? We're not too musically inclined, and uh, there's only a handful of songs that um, most of us know and can sing together, uh, but we're, we're working on that, that part. We're growing in that part. So, But in all three of these elements of family worship, again, your main goal should be to communicate the gospel to your family over and over again. Communicate to them who... God is, that he is almighty, that he is holy, righteous, merciful, patient, communicating to them the sinfulness of man. Yes, your your children need to know that all the Disney movies aren't true. We can't just follow our heart and everything works out in the end. They need to know we are broken. They need to know we are sinners. They need to know that our natural bent is towards rebellion against God and that we've broken his law and we deserve hell. They need to know that. And then presenting them with what God has done for us sinful man. Sending his son, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our only hope that he has paid for our sins upon that cross that he rose in victory over death and is seated at the right hand of God and that the only response the only right response to this gospel is to repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in Christ and help them see what that is what does that look like what is repentance what is faith I think other elements that are also helpful uh, is scripture memory. You might pick, pick a verse for the month. We're going to try to memorize this verse as a family. Uh, memorizing things like the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, uh, a, a catechism. You know, I, I did not grow up in a church that used a catechism. You know, if you ask me what a catechism was, I would probably say that's what Catholics do. But then coming to the Reformed understanding, I discovered these catechisms. It was like finding treasure 
Like, why don't we use these things anymore? They're amazing tools. Amazing tools of teaching the faith line by line, step by step. What are the Ten Commandments? What is sin? Who is God? What has Christ done for us? All of these things, they're a great tool. I would recommend you use them with yourself. Not just your children, but yourself. Um, some practical tips on how to start family worship. Uh, number one, pick a time. Right? You've got to set a time. If it's something that's just, well, we maybe we'll get to it, you probably won't get to it. Um, if you're a busy family, look at your schedule. Clear a spot. And again, there's no hard and fast rule. It's not like you have to do it at 5 o'clock in the morning or you're not doing it. It's obviously going to be, each family is going to be different. You have different schedules. But when? When can you do it? Is, is it? is morning time better for your family? Is evening before bed a good time? And obviously as your as events in life happen, you may have to change it around, right? We uh, would do it consistently in the evening. Now I, I'm driving a truck, and sometimes I'm over the road a couple of nights a week. I can't always do it every evening, right? My wife will lead the kids, um, scripture reading and prayer before they start uh, homeschool, and then I'll do it in the evening with, on the evenings that I'm home. So pick a time, pick a spot, make it a, uh, maybe part of your bedtime or morning time routine. Number two, make it age appropriate. Right? If you have very small children, again, you may want to start with a good children's Bible. Keep it short, make it fun for your children, right? Uh, you know, if you have little ones, you're probably not going to want to start with a 12-week Bible study on the book of Leviticus. It's probably not going to go over well. All right, but as your children grow, again, you can have more longer times. You can have more serious conversations, more deep questions um, as they grow. Uh, number three, don't be intimidated. Right, you may feel, some fathers may feel that you don't know enough about the Bible. Right? You think, well, my wife knows way more than I do. Um, and that may, might be so. But come as a humble learner, right? along with your wife and your children. Learn together. Don't be afraid to be honest if you don't understand a certain part of the reading. I love, uh, we finished Daniel, at the end of Daniel. Daniel has a vision and he says, I saw but I did not understand. So that's good. Because uh, if you didn't understand it, I'm not sure what I'm going to tell my kids about it. Just say, there's some things you don't always understand. Right? So don't be afraid to tell them, I, I don't understand this, this part of the Bible. I'll study it more. I'll come back with more insight later. And lastly, don't give up. Don't give up. Beginning and maintaining a habit of family worship may well be one of the most challenging things you do. Because it never fails. When it's time for family worship, 
The kids will be squirmy. The doorbell will ring. The dog will have an accident on the rug. Or tornado will hit. Or World War III will erupt. And you will feel like giving up and never trying again. All right? it, it never fails. All right? There's times... Uh, I don't even remember all that happened. It was just like one thing after another. It's like, okay, it's time to sit down and let's do our Bible time. And it was just like everything, everything went awry. And uh, it was almost laughable, but I was pretty frustrated at the time. I can look back and laugh at it, but, uh, but don't give up. Right? Compose yourself. Take a breath and ask for God's grace and try Again, all right, because again, if you're not going to teach and lead your children, who will? Who's going to? No one else is going to. God has has placed it upon you, but he also provides the grace to do it. I don't want this to feel like I'm placing upon you an unliftable burden, He also gives us grace to fulfill, again, Augustine. He grants the grace for what he commands from us. And so we need to pray for his grace uh, to lead our children, to teach them and instruct them. So let's ask the Lord's help now. Lord God, we thank you for your wisdom that in your wisdom you created the family. In your wisdom and in your grace you've given us responsibilities that we might instruct and teach, that we might pass on the torch of your truth, the worship of God through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen your people I pray you would strengthen fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, and even uh, single people, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that we would make our homes a place where you are glorified. Lord, that your word would be upon our heart and that we would teach it diligently to our children. Lord, please give us wisdom in this. Please give us grace and strength and and humbleness, Lord, so that when things don't go the way we desire them to go or imagine they should go, that we would humbly still follow your commandments, that we would have patience, just as you have patience with us, Lord, that we would have patience with our children, our families, and that you would fill our homes with the joy of the Lord, with the truth of God, with the songs of your praise, prayers, supplications to you, Lord God. That you would help us, Lord God, to be the salt of this earth, Lord God. And that you would transform our homes and our churches through these simple obedience in our homes. That you would revive our hearts and revive our homes that Christ would be glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.